Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 275 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. I'm Patrick. He's Justin. We are getting into the top 10 prospects for the Toronto Blue Jays, according to Fangraphs, which is one of our favorite websites to use when analyzing anything. Justin, um, I'm excited. We did uh, 31 through 11 last time. There were a lot of guys to go through. A lot of good discussions about players in our pipeline right now. Um, the truth is that this is probably the thinnest that the uh, prospect list has been in some time. And the reason is because there have been many recent graduates in the past five seasons. It's all happened very quickly. So it's not a surprise to see a prospect pool that's a little uh, more shallow than what we're used to. Um, but that being said, we've talked about a lot of guys that I think are being undervalued yeah. by the Fangraph system. And I'm excited to talk about these top 10 because every single one of them's future value is 45 or higher. And again, I do think there are guys on this list that are undervalued. Um, do you concur? I concur. I'm very excited. And if you are too, you can find us. Uh, BFMDpodcast.com is the website. All you have to do is throw bat flips and maple dips into your Google machine and you'll find us. We're on every platform for podcasts. We love what we do and we love our fans. So, hey, feel free to drop us a line at any point on our socials and uh and say hi and uh leave us a rating or a star rating whatever you want to do leave us a review we love it uh we hope you're enjoying the uh the cold winter months uh as we continue to toil through a time with no baseball but here we are with our top 10 prospects uh justin without any further sort of adieu Let's talk about our number 10 ranked prospect, Brandon Barriera. Uh, he is a guy that we drafted in the first round of the 2022 amateur draft. That was uh, a year, a year and a half ago. Yeah. Not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. He's 19 years old. A little, little uh, lefty. Going, he's a lefty, bats and throws left. Um, he will be turning 20 before the season starts. Uh, he is six foot two, 180 pounds. He is a starting pitcher. We do not have a lot of data for him. Um, there's not much for us to say right now, except for the fact that he is very highly touted and was when he was drafted. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe the Jays might have reached a bit to draft him. I think he would have been more likely picked later, but still very highly touted. The numbers just aren't there for us to do any sort of discussion because yeah. he pitched very much. No, in 20, he he had a shoulder issue in spring training. Yeah. Um, it was shut down again after May 25th due to elbow soreness, and then was also shut down again after his velocity was down during a tuning appearance in July. So he's had some issues, and yeah, you're right. He only logged 20 and a third innings across. Uh, single A and the rookie level complex league in 2023. So be very interesting to see for him how he rebounds coming into spring training. 
hopefully he gets himself healthy because yeah, a guy still has obviously the potential to be a terrific pitcher. And at the age of nineteen, he'll be turning twenty during spring training in March. Has plenty of plenty of runway left, but he's got to start showing some uh, ability to stay healthy this season, just so that we can get. He needs to get some innings under his belt. Yeah, for the record, it was back at the end of August where it was reported mm. that it was bicep soreness that uh, kept yes. him out at the end of the year. That was Shai Davidi of Sportsnet who reported it. Again, he's only 19 going into his year 20 season. He's very young, nowhere close to uh, you know being ready for anything other than minor league ball. And uh, I guess the hope is going to be uh, either Dunedin or Vancouver, one way or the other. He will be an A-ball. And um, this will be interesting because it will be his, his first crack at sort of like a full season in the system. Right. With no injuries, knock on wood. And uh, I'm excited for a guy who uh, was highly touted when he was drafted. Uh, drafted a little bit higher than I think what he was projected to be by the Jays. Um, they like what they see in him. And, you know, given his age, this is... Uh, having him in the top ten says a lot. Correct. About his college career. or Well, I well guess about his college, potential but... based on the fact that he has those 20 innings only of professional pitching experience. Yeah, there's not much else for us to say just because we just don't have a lot to analyze. So let's move on to our ninth ranked prospect, John Kasevich. Josh. What did I say? You said John, but it's okay. Let me read it again. J-O-S-H. That is Joss. You're right. Yeah. Josh Kasevich. <laughs> He is a high A, uh, shortstop, six foot one, two hundred pounds. This is a big boy for a shortstop. Uh, yeah. Twenty two years old, about to turn twenty three. I'm guessing he must have college. He was a draft pick in the same draft as uh, Barriera, where he was in the second round, sixtieth uh, pick overall. There's a lot to like about him. I think the fact that he's currently graded at a forty five hit tool but has the potential for 70 is crazy interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Last year in 2023, he was with Vancouver and in 383 plate appearances, he only had four home runs, but he did score 46 times and had 50 RBIs with 11 stolen bases, a 9.9% walk rate, a 10.7% K rate. That is very low for a K rate. Correct. Uh, isolated uh, uh, power is just decimal zero eight one, and with a BABIP of three ten, he managed to have a two eighty four batting average with a three sixty three on base and a three sixty five slug. So the power isn't really there for this young man, but the potential for him to ramp up to being a high contact hitter who is a tough out is there. Having wheels that allow him to run around the base path like that, I really like what he brings. Yep, and went to the University of Oregon after graduating high school in Palo Alto, California. Mm-hmm. And like you said, yeah, 60th overall pick of the Jays. I, too, like this guy quite a bit. The fact that he has that good plate vision, um, you'd hope to see his power up a little bit more even just the extra base power he did have 15 doubles in 2023 but no triples 
So it's it's he does need to get hit for a bit more extra base to move up the the system. But by all accounts, um, obviously as, as being a shortstop, you know he's athletic, and it seems as though his fielding numbers are okay. He didn't commit an error, uh, or he committed uh, 13 errors, excuse me, in in 2023 at shortstop in 585 innings. Um, but yeah, I mean, a young kid, not terrible. I mean, Bobochette until this past season was not a very good major league third baseman. Took some strides, or second, or shortstop, excuse short me. Stop. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think that there's definitely. Uh, it's interesting to see him in the top ten because we don't really hear about this guy at all. But the fact that he was drafted in the, in the second round in the second most recent big league draft would be the reason that he has that uh, that high uh, profile and high potential. So that's why he's here. I think the question becomes, where does he go next year? Again, there is such I a I think he stays where he was, personally. Yeah, there's a tremendous log jam in New Hampshire and Buffalo for a second baseman and uh, yep. a shortstop and third baseman. So there's there's not really a lot of room for him to move up. Um, I could see him end up getting Kevin Smith, but um, I don't know. See, the thing that's if you look at his numbers man if he just if his power was just a little bit more he would be he would be a much highly touted prospect much higher than what he currently is which is still pretty high within the organization i'm incredibly impressed at his walk and k rate uh, those are that's one of the best lines i've seen for a high a player in a long time that makes me think he's ready for something more challenging but there's just no room i don't know how you how you move him yeah I'd, I'd like to see him repeat his numbers to start the season um yeah and then see if he can to move up uh, a level and do it again so but yeah I, I think he's got some room to improve but i'd like to i like what i've seen so far well, let's talk about a guy we've talked about on the regular podcast quite a bit. This is eighth-ranked Yasver Zulueta. Fantastic baseball name. Yes. He pitched in AAA Buffalo last year. He's 25. He throws uh, missiles. Yeah, he's a, he's got a rocket launcher on his shoulder. <laughs> he's a righty, six foot one, 190 pounds. Profiles just like all the other pitchers that the Jays have in their system. Um, last year... He did see an uptick uh, in his innings pitched. He was up to 64 innings last year with 10.27 Ks per nine, a walk rate of 6.33, which uh, I think is pretty much in line with everybody else in Buffalo. Uh, the home run rate is almost non-existent at 0 0.14. Uh, he is a ground ball pitcher 51.3% of the time. He's getting the ground ball. And um, with a 4.07 FIP and a 4.74 XFIP, I guess it's not a terrible year for him. No. But, man, the walks are the just... The walks hurt. They've been a problem for a couple of years, but he's also been a player that's been featured in the Futures game multiple times at this point. He is going to turn 26 before the start of next season. In fact, he will turn 26 near the end of january justin the way i see it is that zulueta is either going to crack this lineup 
uh, in the next two years, or he is going to end up toiling in the minors for a very long time if he chooses to continue his career. It's hard to say because the piece that's missing for him is control. And that is the case with almost every pitcher who is under 26. So what does one do with Yasver Zulueta? Yeah, and I mean, the fact that I believe he, he's on the 40-man roster, so the Jays definitely still do believe in this guy. Um, I think that he still has the potential to be a very good medium to high leverage relief pitcher with the strikeout potential but needs like you said with the command that's that's the big focus for him is can he get those walk numbers down the good news is is that he did increase or decrease them a little bit over his double a AA and triple a numbers from 2022 which were albeit in limited sample but uh, i'd love to see him get that walk number down towards four per nine instead of the over six where it was this year if he can keep the strikeouts where they are and decrease the walks i think uh he puts himself into the conversation for injury call-up replacement for the Blue Jays' bullpen in 2024, let alone the future after that. So he's close, but he needs to work on that command. That's what's holding him back right now. That's really it. Everything else is great that he does. So Command, yeah, command, I command, command. The question about command is enough that makes me think that, like, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what to think. I, I I think it's it's time. It's time for him to see what MLB pitcher or uh, hitters look like. I'll, I'll I'm curious to see how he performs in spring training because he'll yeah get some featuring there, but needs to do well, obviously. Yeah, and if the fact that he keeps getting featured in those young future or whatever games it's kind of weird to me given that he's missing a key piece of the game mm -hmm. in command but uh next year or 2024 will be the year where he uh either makes the big step forward or uh ends up toiling in the minors like uh so many other jays prospects have before him being ranked eight is interesting i don't know what it is that he does that would have him that high i guess it's the slider is and it's the velocity like he's got yeah. the ability to touch triple digits on the fastball so that helps him tremendously fair enough all right well we're at the number seven ranked player and it's time to go wacko <laughs> for high a balls adam macko he's 22 years old left-handed pitcher acquired from the seattle mariners in that trade uh, for uh, along with Eric Swanson uh, mm -hmm. back in 2022 or at the end of the year in 2022 or before 2023, whatever you want to say. Uh, he is six feet tall, 170 pounds. He is a starting pitcher. Last year in high A, he started 20 games. He got 86 innings under his belt. The case per nine went came way down to 11.09 which is still very good. Uh, the walks did decrease down to 4.19 per nine. Uh, the home runs per nine is very low at 0 0.73. Uh, I'd say mostly a ground ball pitcher. 
who does not give up a lot of home runs. And last year, with a 4.81 ERA and a 3.97 FIP, not a bad year for Adam Mako. Uh, at 22 years old, you got to think that he has reached the phase where he is going to be in double-A next year. I agree. Where he is a pitcher and there would be space for him. Um, what do you like about Adam Mako, other than his name? Um, I like the strikeouts, obviously. I like that he's a lefty. Um, I think that the ground ball rate is, is nice. Again, it's the command thing, but he has improved steadily over the past three seasons now, getting those walk numbers to come down. The strikeout numbers have suffered, but I mean, at 11 strikeouts per nine, you're not complaining about it. I, I just want to see more innings from him, obviously. Um, 86 innings and 20 starts is just over four innings per start, so... I'd like to see him get up that average up to five plus at the minor league level. Um, but a guy who, if he pans out again, another one of these guys in the Jays system who has that back of the rotation four or five kind of floor ceiling and with another couple of good years can work himself up to a number three, you know, like he's, this is a guy who could be a serviceable major league starter for many years. And he's, he's uh, going to be turning, 23 here just just before he's in december 30th baby um so just before the end of the year he'll be turning 23 so he's still got plenty of time left on his his runway but obviously drafted out of high school has been in the minor leagues since he was 18 now um a lot of development with the mariners before the jays acquired him like you mentioned and yeah yeah the fact that the jays were able to get him alongside of eric swanson for one year to oscar hernandez just an absolute steal by the front office so that's one of the most lopsided trades i think the jays have ever made alongside <laughs> the jose barrios trade yeah yeah but no i'm i am wacko for Mako indeed i uh I'm, I'm excited to see what 2024 brings for him yeah i gotta think that double a is on the menu for him so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um it'll be interesting to see if he makes that step up i really want to see the bb per nine it's gotta come down um Speaking of um, strikeouts, though, TJ Brock. <laughs> Let's talk about the sixth-ranked uh, pitcher, or, well, player. Uh, he is a pitcher. He is righty TJ Brock at a double-A, one, 200 pounds. Uh, last year with the Cats, he appeared in 32 games through 32.1 innings. Uh, he had nine saves, so he must have been their closer. At 15.59 Ks per nine, that is delicious. <laughs> I'd like to see that. A walk rate of 3.90, which is a, about what you would expect from a closer. But a 1.95 home run per nine is concerning. That's the kicker. And look at that Especially, BABIP at 425. He gets that hit is, hard. That, yeah, he gets smoked. Um, with a 6.68 ERA and a 4.30 FIP and a 2.64 XFIP, it goes to show there is a lot of potential here. But uh, at 24, there's not a lot of places for him to go right now. Except maybe another year in AA with a potential call-up. He's going to turn 25 in August. There's a lot to like about him. He's a strikeout machine. But can he kind of retake... Uh, some of the uh, previous control that he had. 
where he was not giving up a lot of tacos because uh, last year he got pummeled. When he gets when he gets hit, he gets hit real hard, and that's not if you're a reliever, that's not good. Um, I'm not sure what to say about him. He is Rule Five eligible, uh, December of 2025. So still a couple of years left. He must have gone to college. He was a six-round pick in 2022. Um, what do you like about Brock other than the Ks? God, yeah, those strikeouts are insane. Um, yeah. I like the fact that there is a single-inning relief pitcher um, in the top seven prospect or top six prospects here. And also, uh, Mako and Zilueta are both categorized as relief pitchers, Mako being multiple inning relief. Fangraphs doesn't have him as a starting pitcher for Adam Mako anymore, but um, having some potential bullpen depth approaching the top of the minor leagues is very helpful. This guy did go to the Ohio State University, by the way, in Columbus, Ohio, uh, TJ Brock. Um, where he had a, a very good collegiate career. He was actually a, a bullpen p player for them as well, too, Patrick. He's, he was not a starter in, in college either, and uh, he was a strikeout machine then, too. So um, interesting to see how that's continued for him. But I like I like where he's at. I think um, I would like to see him pushed to AAA, I think, even. The ERA number, yeah, it looks bad, but I think uh, that's a lot of that's due to the home runs. Typically, uh, if he can bring those numbers down to a league average, which XFIP does uh, take into account. And you look at his, his prior season in 2022 and even his numbers at high A ball to start 2023, the home runs weren't too bad. But yeah, I could see him push to AAA at some point this year, but I think a start in AA is probably appropriate for him. But I do think that he has all the potential to kind of make that jump uh, up a level. And I hope to see him do it. I really do. So Fangraphs has him projected uh, to enter the league at 2025, which is actually one of the rare times where I think they have it. I agree. I think that's probably correct. The thing is, he has a, a very good fastball and a great slider. If he can get his command in control, he could be a lethal weapon. If I'm trading with the Toronto Blue Jays, TJ Brock is on my list of guys that I want in a trade. He's definitely on my radar. Um, top five. This is exciting. Uh, we are still on the list of guys whose future grade is 45 or higher. Uh, number five is a guy that I know Justin likes to talk about. It's Leo Jimenez, AAA second baseman, shortstop. He's a righty, five foot ten, 215 pounds. He's a big boy. Um, last year in AAA, Justin, he only got 18 games. Uh, majority of his time was in Buffalo, where he played 76 games. Do you want to talk about Leo Menez? Yeah, for sure. So Leo Menez, a couple of years ago, after 2021, was kind of classified as the on-base god after he posted a 517 uh, on-base percentage in A-ball. <laughs> Un unbelievable. 21% walk rate he had that year. Um, the next couple, the last few years have not gone as well for Leo in terms of the on base number. It, it's still high, but it's not at 500 anymore, which you would not expect him to be at Barry Bonds levels. Um, I think the the biggest thing for me with uh, Leo Jimenez is the fact that he still has very good contact skills. So he had, he had a very good start to the season in Double A New Hampshire, 287 batting average and a 
OPS of uh, just over uh, 800. And that's what did earn him the promotion to to AAA. For me, I was hoping more to, to see more power develop from Leo. Um, he only did hit eight home runs last year, and they all were at the AA level. He did not hit one in his 77 plate appearances at AAA. But I think the fact that he is able to be more of a contact, um, I would say bottom of the order bat for a major league team, it still has value. He's the type of guy you can you can put in a game and hope that he can work you some competitive counts. And I could even see this guy eventually being like a traditional, like an old school leadoff hitter for a team where he's that guy you can put up there to, to work a count, maybe get on base. He's not a George Springer leadoff hitter where he has potential to hit the ball at the ballpark every time he steps up. Uh, but he's definitely got that more traditional old school work the count, take a walk kind of approach that I still do appreciate in the batter. He's, I was I've I've disappointed the last couple seasons with him just because he's taken a bit of a step back. That 2021 in A ball was a definite high for him, and he hasn't been able to replicate that. And nowhere close to replicate that the last couple seasons. But I still do think that obviously by ranking him this high, scouts and and prospect graders around baseball still view him as somebody with very high potential, and I still see it too. So I'm I'm hoping that it. Uh, that it shines a bit more in 2024. Yeah. He's not quite, he's not quite on my radar anymore uh, the way that he was after 2021, which is not really saying very much because who was, who else had an OBP that was 50% of the time. Um, I guess by default he'll be in AAA next year. He's very young, and there's a lot of runway for him to figure it all out. Do you think the Jays should hold on to him as long as possible? Or if you end up seeing a trade where you're like, let's just say the phone starts to ring and the Chicago White Sox are looking to make a deal. Uh, and they have, you know, Luis Robert and Dylan Cease available do you think leo is going to be like a must in the conversation see i don't think he'd be a must but i think he's a guy that other teams will try to get and i would not hesitate to move him at this point i like him but i'm not i uh, no way am i attached to leo jimenez it's mm, tough because I st- hmm. he's so good at everything. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah, he just yeah, I think he'll end up being a trade piece. Unfortunately, it's just that's just the way that it is. The Jays are here to win now and and I think Jimenez offers a team a guy who's maybe a year, maybe maybe two away from contributing um yeah yeah he's just got so much upside and i just don't think the jays can afford to have the patience to wait for leo jimenez to usurp anybody of their role and and they already have bobachette so unless something happens bobachette doesn't sign an extension then maybe leo jimenez is better off 
in another organization, but while we have him, he's definitely one of the most attractive players that we have on this list of prospects. I agree. Uh, let's talk about number four, Addison Barger. This is a player that comes up all the time on the podcast when we're talking about the future. He is 24 years old going into his age 24 season. He is a left-handed bat, right-handed thrower, six feet tall, 210 pounds, third baseman and shortstop. Almost certainly is going to be a third baseman slash maybe a right fielder because he did log time in right field last year. Uh, I think his days of being a shortstop were probably done. Um, what do you like about Addison Barger? Uh, I like Addison Barger quite a bit. I like that he plays third base, Patrick. That's what I really like about him. <laughs> At this point, we've been talking all se- all off season, and hopefully, by the time this episode comes out, the Blue Jays have resolved that issue. But I like the fact that he also takes a lot of walks. Um, he had a tough time. He he was he got injured kind of at the beginning of the twenty twenty three season, and it set him back quite a bit. But I do like that um, he was able to rebound in the later half of the season. He definitely showed why he still has that high prospect potential. Ended up hitting nine home runs in just under 400 at-bats um, and walked 13% of the time, hit 250, got his WRC plus up to 92. It was down in the 50s at one point. So the fact that he was able to do that, I think um, the second half of the season was was very good for him. But I, I'm a little bit concerned because in 2022, he had such a good year where he moved all the way up from high A ball to triple A and excelled throughout the minor leagues. I do still really like this guy, I think, because he has that uh, plate discipline where he's not striking out a a terrible amount compared to his walk rate. It still leaves me room to believe that he can be what the Blue Jays wanted to be. I mean, 2022, Patrick, he had 26 homers across three levels and only hit nine last year is a bit of a drop-off and a big disappointment. But I'm I'm curious to see what 2024 brings in terms of um, a rebound for him. I think it's going to be kind of an Addison Barger revenge tour, and I'm here for it. What position do you see him as? He's a third baseman, I think, going forward. Um, Even though he played a majority of his time in right field in 2023. Yeah, I I still think I still think they need to play him at third base. Uh, I, I think. Uh, the pos- obviously the positional versatility is great. He had yeah thirty three games in right, twenty at short, and another twenty at third base. So having that ability to play, and even had two at second base. So he like this guy's like a super utility player, kind of like have a Biggio type guy where you can just play anywhere you want him to play. I, I like that he has that in his toolkit. I I still think that they should develop him more as a third baseman, but the fact that he if he can play third base and outfield, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And obviously, no, this is a guy who, in my opinion, should be a replacement for Santiago Espinal because of the fact that he can play third third and shortstop. Why did the Blue Jays need Espinal at that point when they have Biggio and Schneider who can play second base, and I think are better than Espinal? So. That's yeah. that's where I'm that's where I'm at with with uh, with Barger is I do think that he is a better player now than what Espinal is and could, could do more offensively than Espinal. I don't think he's better defensively than Santiago. Espinal was terrible on defense this year though like his metrics were awful, 
So I don't. I. I it's and I. I well, I'm I do still think he's a good defender. I. I think that this was a bad. Twenty twenty three was honestly his, awful for him. But over over his career. He, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, the thing is, Barger just had a down year in AAA. He did. I'm yes. Not, I'm not ready to anoint him as being the successor. I'm for, not either. But I. I do think that he's that he's. He could contribute more than Espinal did this year. Espinal was not good at anything this year except for not chasing and striking out that was all he did well i mean we we agreed uh weeks ago when we were did our grades and everything that espinal was clearly had a bad year yes um the issue that i have is that with him coming off of such a down year in triple a i just i would rather him play every day in triple a then come up for like and do like a non-meaningful amount of pas or defensive replacements in the show right uh, there's time i think i think he's got another year where he could marinate a little bit more in triple a and then maybe be a september call-up or an injury call-up if needed but i would not like, I think the reality is that Espinal is going to be on the team next year unless he's either traded or, I don't know, something bizarre happens um, where they release him. But um, I'd like to see one more year of Barger at AAA to, to give him the chance to do the comeback. Um, and then, yeah, I would say by 2025, he'll be... 25 years old in 2025 is that how math works yeah yeah because he is he just turned 24 in yeah. november so i think another year in triple a to give him the chance to bounce back is good and i'm not look i'm not this isn't an endorsement of santiago espinal i it's think basically saying give barger the marinating time he needs in the minors i think spring training is going to be very telling for guys like espinal horwitz and barger who are kind of all on the cusp of like Espinal's on the cusp of losing his 26 man spot. Yes. And, and Horowitz and, and Barger are on the cusp of, of taking one. Um, obviously Barger and Espinal are more comparable than Horowitz, but Horowitz is in that position where yeah, like he's, he's done well at triple a and earned that look at the big league level this past season when, when belt was hurt and did relatively well. So, I, I think that that's uh, I I just see I just see Espinal and Barger really competing with each other in spring training and I think if one of them really outshines the other, that's who's going to earn the spot. Yeah, and I think that's that's fair. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Yeah, I just I'm just like I'm so I'm so over the Espinal at this point where it's like we just talked about the Blue Jays having such a shitty year offensively and Espinal still has two more option years left. Like this guy could be sent to the minor leagues at any point in time. And we're talking about a guy who was a 0.1 war player and was actually a negative defensive contributor this past season. I, I just don't see how the Jays could justify keeping him on the 26 man if he doesn't perform incredibly well in spring training. He, ha he has to have a great spring training for me. 
if I look at Santiago's numbers from last year and look at Barger's, they're like Barger obviously improved later on in AAA. But if you look, if you just take their full seasons, apples to apples, they're relatively similar. And Barger's obviously more on the rise. Espinal's kind of he's not i don't think he's gonna get any better he's he's obviously he's 28 years old he's 29 now he just turned 29 so like he's not improving whereas barger's five years younger and is improving still so i i don't know i just think that barger's almost the incumbent he, like santiago is obviously the incumbent but i think barger has a leg up on him even now for that that kind of super utility infielder spot Spring training is going to be... It's going to be spicy for those guys. <laughs> very spicy for both uh, of those And, guys. I mean, who knows? It remains to be seen. Like, the Jays could go out and make two, three, four moves by then, and it could be irrelevant. Espinal could be gone, and, and so could Barger, for that matter, from the organization and a trade. And Or they bring people in, and it makes Barger stuck in AAA behind somebody else. You know, like, that, it could be... It could be irrelevant in, like, two weeks, depending on what the Jays do. <laughs> But that's where I, that's where I stand on it now. Fair enough. I think we've said all we need to say about Addison Barger. I yeah. do think another season in AAA would serve him well. But if he's better than what's already on the roster, then I mean, bring him on up. Bring him on up. Number three on our list. We're in our top three now. This is the only player that we have that is future graded as 45 plus. After this, they get graded a little bit higher, or they have grades higher. And that is uh, 18-year-old Aryan Nimala. He was just drafted. Or no, was he drafted? Yes, yes drafted. that's correct. Yeah, first player of Indian descent to be taken in the first round of the Major League Baseball draft, which is pretty fun. Incredible. Right-handed uh, player, bats and throws right. He's a shortstop, six foot one, one seventy. Currently graded at a twenty hit, uh, future grade forty, game power twenty-five, future grade sixty-five. Yeah. Raw power currently graded fifty-five, future graded seventy. Speed currently forty-five grade, projects at forty. Fielding currently thirty grade, future grade. 50 it all adds up to a 45 plus grade i think this kid is actually undervalued uh yeah. we don't really have a lot of data my concern at this point with him is how his swing plays as he progresses at the Myers. he's got a very like i would say cricket inspired baseball swing which is not surprising based on his heritage uh it's a very very unique swing um, especially with the follow-through. I think it could be... It's a big contributor as to why his power is rated so high. It's a, it's a, it's a got a bit of an uppercut to it. I think he'll hit yeah. a lot of fly balls, which, depending on how the power translates, could be, could be a really good thing as long as he can hit it in that sweet spot and barrel the baseball. He could be a shortstop with some pop, which we love to see. But, yeah, obviously at 18 years old and a guy who just turned 18 in October, like he's a fresh 18-year-old, with only 40 plate appearances of complex level baseball under his belt. This season is going to be very fun to see what he can do in a full season of minor league ball. Um, I would expect him, I, I hope they put him in with the Eden and, and don't keep him in the complex for another year. I'd love to see him play regularly um, and, and against some more, against some players who are anywhere between his age and 21, 22 at, at, at low A ball. 
So I'd like to see how he does against some some stiff competition. I'm very curious, but while the the scouts love his his eyes, like they love his tools there, they love the intelligence on the base pass. Uh, the fielding has great potential. Like this kid has all the makings to be a very good baseball player. But uh, my one concern is the is how the swing will uh, translate as he starts facing off against better pitching than he would have before he was drafted. But we'll there see. is a crazy amount of upside. Oh yeah, like insane. Like maybe it's probably one of the best upside picks in the draft. But it's also a pick that's very much like um Boomer I don't want to say like a gamble, but yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Um I don't know where I don't know where you put him this year. I low like low a ball at, at best to start, if not a staying in the complex as an as an eighteen year old. I'll be curious to see what they how aggressive they are. Um went to high school in Florida, so obviously he's comfortable down there and I would be surprised if he's anywhere but the complex. Or like Dunedin and the complex are basically the same thing essentially because the complex team plays in Dunedin as well as the low A team. So are the same. Yeah, they team. probably play each other like a bunch too they would play it in the minor league spring training now those team those guys would do a lot of like scrimmaging essentially against the other minor leaguers at minor league camp so they'd be intimately familiar with each other from the player development complex um the jays because they have that complex in dunedin would have a lot of um i'm sure this guy from the moment he was drafted was spending a ton of time in that complex and yeah and, and in the, the lab, looking at his swing and looking at mechanics and making tweaks where they think the neat tweaks need to be made. But I think the, the really the first year and a half after a guy is drafted, you kind of just let him do his thing. And you don't try and change too much too fast or else you could break somebody. You want to just see how his current approach and current tools kind of translate into professional ball. And then once you know what the baseline is, then you can make some adjustments because, yeah, you can look at high school numbers and see how a guy lights up high school. But it, you might be you're maybe a, maybe another high school team has one or two good pitchers and he could just be teeing off on guys who are at the, like the bottom of the barrel, you know. So you, like, I think you'll have to wait and see how he uh, how he does in his first full year here before you start making too many um, tweaks and, and adaptations. I don't know what what I would do. Um, God, he's barely eighteen years he's old. He's just a baby. So, yeah, yeah, like I think he's probably going to be in the complex. Yeah, and I wouldn't be mad about it. I think that the the more that they can get from him this year in terms of at bats is is the best. Whatever gets him the most the most uh, play. In Florida, whether it's Dunedin or the complex team. I mean, technically, the kid would be a senior in high school right now. <laughs> so yeah. I would imagine that he's probably still in high school. Uh, well, no, he's he, he, he's graduated. Like he's he's done high school. He's He was like a... He yeah, because his parents would have put him early. He's an October birthday. That's what I was trying to think was either so, he's early, like I, like I had a very early baby. Like I had a couple of late. friends uh, that I graduated with who graduated at 17 because they turned 18 after the grad date, but they were born in the same year as me. They're just, their parents elected to not 
they left it to put them in school a year early. Yeah. Yeah. Those kind of October, November babies always have a choice to make. We had like we had a one kid in or two kids in my graduating class that were actually like uh November ninety two birthdays. So they were basically a year older than some of the kids that we graduated with because their parents decided to keep them out of kindergarten for an extra year kind of thing. So yeah, he's done high yeah. school. Yeah. Okay. So he's a he's painful. He's he's young. just super, super young, yeah. <laughs> A year in the complex then might not be a good thing then because it, I mean. I think it'd be fine. Honestly, like he's, he's going to, he's going, he's, the team is going to get so much data from this guy based on the, based on the PDC in Dunedin and whichever team he's playing for down there, it's not going to matter too terribly much because he's still going to be practicing at the exact same place, so wherever they feel they can get the most out of him in his first full season, I think that's where they'll put him, whether it's the Eden or the Complex. I don't well, think it matters too much, personally. I'll be interested to see where he lands, because I think it'll inform us on how aggressive they plan on developing him. <coughs> yeah, I think he's a president. <coughs> well, <coughs> we're into our top two. I'm sorry, <coughs> I'm choking. <laughs> we're into our top two. There are no surprises left on the table. Uh, number two prospect in the Toronto Blue Jays system is, of course, Orelvis Martinez. Triple A third baseman slash shortstop, 22 years old. He's a righty, 5'11", 200. This is a guy I talked about all year long. <laughs> this, this, this is my guy. Yep. Uh, I put all my chips behind him. Uh, he was in, uh, in a member of the international class in 2018. Um, future grade of 50 right now, but I think that's undervaluing it's him. Dingers. Last year, last year was very interesting for Orelvis's development. I, I, before we get into that, I want to talk about 2022. Yeah. Uh, it's hard not to talk about 2022 without talking about 2023. So without any further ado, I really want to dig deep here. This is the conversation I've been waiting for, for probably 11 months and 26 days. Uh, so last year, referring to 2022, Orelvis had a very interesting year statistically. It's hard to say anything else. In 118 games in A, he hit 30 home runs, which I believe led the league. Uh, 57 runs scored, 76 RBIs with six stolen bases at an 8.1 walk rate. That's not too bad, but with a K rate of 28.5%, it was pretty concerning. The isolated power metric was 242, which is the immediate, like that's the first very obvious green flag in all of this. Yeah. Along with the 30 home runs and 118 games. But unfortunately, Arelvis hit just 203 with a 286 on base percentage and a 446 slug. That's good enough for an OPS above 700. But with a WRC plus of 96, both Justin and I were asking questions about Arelvis going into 2023 as far as how it was going to go and what was expected and whether or not this was going to be one of those things where somebody burns really bright when you first get them and then flames out spectacularly uh, as they increase the level of difficulty through the minor league system. Well, at age 21, Orelvis responded 
And I'm going to break down the performance by AA and AAA because I, it tells a very interesting story if I do. Mm -hmm. So in 70 games at the AA level last year, he hit 17 home runs with 46 RBIs and 33 runs scored, which is still very impressive. His walk rate went up from 8.1 to 14.0, which is a very big improvement over the course of one season. The K rate also dropped 28.5% to just 20.5%. The isolated power remained very close to the same, a slight uptick at 259. And the batting average went from 203 to 226, with the OVP improving <coughs> another 53 points and the slug improving another 29 points. Uh, he was spectacular in double-A and got his promotion with a 122 WRC plus with the Cats. But then he made it to Buffalo, and things got even more interesting, in my opinion, for Aurelvis. In 55 games played with Buffalo, he hit 11 home runs with 48 RBI, 37 runs scored. So for those of you doing math at home, that's an uptick in runs scored and RBIs. Not really doing much along the base paths. He only stole two bases the whole year. That's fine. He's a power hitter. Uh, the walk rate was still at 10.6% at AAA at age 21. With a K rate of 26.8%. That's not really a surprise for a guy making the big leap up to AAA. Isolated power was right on par with 2022 at 244. Uh, the Babbitt shot up about 100 points though to 317 in AAA and he finished the year with a batting average of 263 in AAA which is a tremendous increase and a 340 OPP which is even higher than what it was in AA and a 507 slug in 55 games finishing off the year in AAA with a 105 WRC plus I've laid it all out on the table pretty clearly. Massive improvements for Aurelvis at the plate this past year. It was touch and go very early in the year. Very ugly April. A less pretty May, but it really started to cook mm -hmm. by the middle of the summer. And you can see the proof is in the pudding there in his numbers. Aurelvis is a power-hitting machine. And I like seeing the dramatic uptick in his average. Something clicked for him. And at 21 years old, going into his age 22 season, Aurelvis has suddenly put the Jays in an interesting position where he may force matters. And he may force his way onto the MLB roster. Justin, rebuttal? I... I have no rebuttal to that. I would love to see Elvis force his way onto the roster. Um, out of him and Barger, I think, uh, depending on what the Jays don't do at third base here <laughs> this offseason, could be very telling. If the Jays decide that they're not going to sign or re-sign Matt Chapman or go after anybody else, it could be it could be Elvis's time to try to shine, you know? I uh <laughs> I, I'm I'm curious to see I I'm just like I'm so intrigued by it. Uh, he has so much potential. 
but I'm just not quite sure if he's at that that moment in time where I'm ready to just say like yes this is him like this is we need this guy on the big league roster like yesterday he's so so close and I want him to earn it but I, I just have a, I have a hard time accepting the fact that he could it could be his I'm not sure I'm just not quite there yet uh, I mean, I, th I think it's one of those things where I think he's going to force the situation. Okay. Yeah. Hope you're right. Um, I am just, I'm just mad impressed, mad impressed at the comeback that he has this year. I think it goes to show that even at age 21, having the capability to make those major adjustments after a really tough year, that would have been a tough year to look back on for a relvis yeah um and to to come out of it with an 800 plus ops across both double a and triple a individually and combined of course because that's how math works huh. I, I i i just think he's going to force the conversation as will barger but i think Orelvis is more uh i think he's more ready to be a part of that conversation um the question becomes where does he play and uh, it ain't shortstop so he only played 11 games at third base last year in triple a that's a lot to put on a 22-year-old. So a bench bat, would you rather Aurelvis come up and be a phenomenal bench bat? Or would you rather him play every day in AAA next year at age 22 and really marinate? And Or would you rather cash in your chips now and trade him for absolute maximum value that you'll probably ever get for him and bring in somebody you know, who's not only MLB ready now, but probably will be a well above average player. Look, I, I'm never, I never, I'm never one to get attached to prospects, but I would love to see what Arelvis can do for the Blue Jays at the big league level. Yes, I please. do. Th I do think that if there is the opportunity to make a big splash in the trade market, like I know, like on a pre previous episodes, we've talked about Luis Robert Jr. potentially being available if by the time that this episode comes out, he has not been traded yet. If they asked for if they asked for Elvis in that package, I would trade Elvis in a heartbeat. What is it? Three years of control for someone like Luis Robert? I think he has four. I believe it was 24, 25, 26, and 27. Assuming that the options were picked up, which I think they were club options, so I don't see why they wouldn't be. Um, but yeah. There's a lot of potential, and I mean, you—he's you, a known commodity. Versus, you never—you just never know with a prospect, right? Like we can talk about how good of a potential Elvis has, but we just don't know if what he's doing will translate over to the big league level immediately, or if he'll need more time. And the Jays just don't—the Jays are running out of time in their window. They're just running out. <laughs> so, I love Elvis. I, I think that he's great I hope he stays as a Blue Jay but I'm not going to use that opinion of him to, to stop the team from making a potentially big splash 
How many years left does Bo have before he's a free agent? Bo and Vladdy both have two years. So 2024 and 2025? That is correct. I'm hanging on to a Relvis as long as possible. And it's not because I'm scared that Bo Bichette is going to run. He's going to secure the bag and be out the door. It's that I don't know where this team is going to be two years from now with competing. Because remember, the, our pitching staff is built to win right now. And it's not winning <laughs> because they're not scoring runs. And Orelvis fixes to be the kind of player who will deliver in that way. So I I think you got to hold him. I think you got to hold him for as long as possible. Even if he has a down tick year in 2024, you just don't know what the future is going to hold. And I think some, some prospects you just got to hang on to. And I think Orelvis is that guy. That said, if someone offered, if there was a package put forth tomorrow for Dylan Cease and Luis Robert, and and they wanted a Relvis and not a hell of a lot else, yeah, I mean it'd be fairly well. But I think you got to retain. I think you got to hold. Just in case. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I'm not disagreeing with you. Number one. This is not a surprise. We've talked about this man nonstop for two years, and he's only 21 years old. He is the AAA left-handed firecracker Ricky Tiedemann. He is our number one prospect, according to Fangraphs, with a future value of 55. The only guy that we have in the system right now with that uh, future value. Tell me about Ricky. Talk to me about Ricky. Yeah, Ricky is, man, this guy, electric, comes to mind when I think about him. The strikeout ratios, like, he's an absolute beast. Like, even in moving up to double A, he's just kept mowing guys down. Like, if you start the season in, in, in A ball and then move up to double A and you're still striking out 16 batters per nine innings, Pretty insane. <laughs> then yeah. you move up to Triple A. You only get only get four innings in. Obviously, he had some injury concerns, but you look at the full season. Unfortunately, only forty-two innings for Ricky. But the fact that he doesn't give up home runs at this point in his career, he was able to go down to the to the fall league and have some decent statistics there. And I'm named fall league pitcher of the of the year, which is great. Um. I would love to see him be throwing closer to 100 innings by now, but unfortunately that hasn't happened yet. I need to see him in AAA next year throw 120 innings at least. And then I think um, 2025, there's no reason he shouldn't be able to compete for a starting rotation spot. Kikuchi will be out of contract after 2024. And I don't know that the Jays will re-sign him. It really depends what he does this year and what else is available. But if Ricky is if Ricky's there, Ricky has potential to be much better than Kikuchi. So I don't know. This this is like the one guy I'd be very hesitant to trade. I would trade a Relvis long before I would trade Tiedemann. 
I like I I do and I do like Ricky a lot. Like I do like Elvis a lot too. But it's just the fact that I think Ricky is just incredibly elite. You know, and I I'd, I'd be very I'd be very hesitant to include him in any trade packages unless it was for something massive. So tell me, because we've been here before. Yeah. We we've had prospects who project out very similar. Correct. To Ricky. You know I'm talking about Nate Pearson. Yeah. Hear me out. Right now, the most important thing for the Toronto Blue Jays organization is to compete for a championship. Ricky Tiedemann, in a vacuum, is the type of player you can build your rotation around. Which is great for the future. But the Jays need to win now yeah they have a a very young the jays have a surprisingly young core of regular mlb players right now alejandro kirk under 25 vlad bow 25 alec manoa we got to give him the chance to come back he's on he's 25 he's under 25 mm-hmm they got a lot of pieces that are under the age of 30 outside of the players I just mentioned. Yeah. And then they have a, a slightly older starting rotation. They have acquired free agents at the perfect time in their careers. And it's paid off in massive dividends so far. Right. I think in a vacuum, Ricky is the type of guy you could build a rotation around. I also think that right now, Ricky can't do anything for the 2024 Toronto Blue Jays. Very correct. He is the Jays' best prospect. He's probably the only reason why the Jays aren't dead last as far as prospect <laughs> lists. In fact, they may very well still be dead last in prospect pool lists. We have yet to see fan graphs show the whole list as far as I know, but... Does any of this mean anything if the Jays can't win a title with this core of players? No. And if if the answer is no, then the question has to be, what are you willing to do in order to secure a championship? And can this team get pushed over the edge to being able to be, win a championship by using the prospects it already has to beef up its lineup? And I think there's probably three or four names in the top 10 that we've discussed who would move the needle to acquire very good players who could help this team compete now. The Jays currently have a gap in third base. They need another outfielder slash first base slash Cody Bellinger type, whether it's Cody Bellinger or someone similar. They might be able to get that for just money without trading, but I don't know. I ha- I look at Ricky Tiedemann and I see a, I just my eyeballs kind of bulge with the potential type of return he could get the Jays. The Jays don't need pitching right now at all, at all. They have the best rotation in baseball based on any metric that I can find that's worth discussing, and one of the at least top what top five top ten bullpens. Would you 
Let's be conservative and say it's a top 10 top bullpen. Top 10, yeah. Still have the best rotation in baseball, assuming that Yamamoto doesn't sign in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. If he does, then whatever. It, it At least the Jays won't have to play him until the World Series. <laughs> but that's just what I, the way I look at it is like, this team doesn't need pitching right now. What it needs right now is it needs it needs an all-star jaw-dropping third baseman to push them over the hump of being a team that can't win a playoff game to a team that's you check under your bed at night for because you got to play them in the playoffs. So I see Ricky Tiedemann as maybe the biggest trade chip the Jays have had in a long time. And I wouldn't hesitate for a second if it meant getting a player as good as Jose Ramirez for the hot corner. Now, I know he's not available because he has a no-trade clause, but I think you get my meaning. I'm talking about a player who is a world-breaker, somebody who's going to absolutely dominate. There's a lot of third basemen out there who would be very uh, intriguing to bring in. I, I don't know. How do you feel? Oh, if if the Jays can get that game breaker for this year, trade them hundred percent. No, I I've never been. I, I don't want to be like I'm not. I don't want to hug prospects to death and <laughs> and never win anything. It's it's great. Yes, it's great to have all these great prospects, but it's also great to win World Series championships, like you said. And would I much rather win a World Series championship and then be bad for ten years, or be middle of the pack and never win a playoff game? I'll take the World Series. I would rather have the World Series and then not, not win another playoff game for 20 years. Yeah. Because it's the World Series and because that's what the whole point of this is, is to win World Series. It's not to be the Atlanta Braves who had the greatest rotation the world has ever seen in the 90s and win one title and just do fuck all <laughs> the rest of the time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you don't want to waste your time if you're not competing and hug prospects and hold on to players that eventually screw up or don't develop, do it while they're at their hottest. And I maybe now isn't the time to trade Ricky Tiedemann, but sometime this year, maybe it is. It could be. Yeah. I think the Jays have the prospects to be able to put together a very strong package for Ellie Dela Cruz. I don't think the Reds are going to trade him for anything. Maybe. I think you're. Uh, that's that's a that's a big wish. On that it one. is. But the thing is, the 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 question is, can what can the Jays do to get, you know, a Bobby Witt Jr. or a Jose Ramirez, like even if they're not available, because you're going to be offering players that that you know you don't want to part with to yeah. pull it off i mean some guys are going to be untouchable austin riley's not going anywhere gunner henderson's not going anywhere manny machado's not going anywhere probably mm-hmm. so alex bregman's not going anywhere nolan arenado's probably too old for you know for this window yeah you got your limited options. 
I would throw it. I would throw everything I had at either Bobby Witt Jr. or Ellie Dela Cruz. And I think you'll come back empty, unfortunately. But I respect the I respect the hustle. There is a hustle there, and I. But I, I think I think both Arelvis and Ricky do move the needle to acquire those players. I just don't know what else you'd have to throw in. Yeah. To do it. Yeah. But that's where I'm at with these with our our prospects in general. I think Ricky looks like he's going to be an absolute machine, and it would be it would be crushing to watch him go pull a Noah, uh, Noah Syndergaard right and go dominate somewhere else. But what are we doing if we just hold on to prospects and don't win any playoff games? Like, are are we here to win a title? Is that what mm-hmm. this team is going to do in in the Shatkins era? Yeah, is hug prospects. Like I'm fine. I'm fine with the team always being very good. Like Cleveland has been in the years before and since Shatkins. Like the because Cleveland is has been pretty much consistently competitive mm-hmm. since they came in and fixed house, and now they're doing the same thing in Toronto. But there's no World Series appearance to discuss. Yeah, and it's. The last time the Jays won a playoff game was 2016. So, would you trade Ricky to get some playoff wins? I I think I would. I think I would too. Um. That being said, I think he is. I I, I like what he does more than I liked Nate at his peak when he was a prospect. Fair, I think it's fair. To so say. I don't know. He's 21. There is a lot of upside there, but he's not going to help the team for at least a year, maybe two. So I don't know. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot to chew on. I mean, okay, let's say for uh, hypothetically, Ricky, uh, let's just say Dylan Cease and Luis Robert are available in a package. Do you trade Ricky and Elvis? Like, do you shoot your shot? Do you think the value is there for the Jays to make that move? I think so. I think you have to do everything you can to win. That really pushes Manoa out, though, too. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I don't think you need to trade all three to get that package, but you might. It's funny. We went through this whole process to grade our prospects, and we end with Ricky Tiedemann, and we end with me saying we got to trade <laughs> everyone, everybody we can to win now. But I think that's the case. Is some of these guys it, are going to take four or five years to develop, like Emmanuel Bonilla or Aryan Namala, you know, or Brandon Barriera or Josh Kasevich. But some of them are not that terribly far off. So I think you got. I think you deal them. If you don't have space for them, deal them. Who cares if you're ranked thirty first, or or thirtieth, whatever in uh, your prospect pool? You want titles, and you want them now. Ws. Give me the dubs. I want the Ws. I don't care about division titles either. I want. I want this team. I want people to look at this team on paper and be like, shit. Yeah, they're. It'll be them versus the Dodgers. <laughs> Anyway, rant over. Yeah, and that'll be that'll be it for us. 
in this prospect series, Patrick. We got through 31 Fangraphs prospects. Be interesting to see how this list uh, grows and, e and develops over the course of not only the off season but throughout the season as well as guys perform well or, or the opposite. But uh, if you like what we do, give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. BFMD Podcast. BFMDpodcast.com is the website. And you can find our episodes wherever you listen. For Patrick out in Halifax, I am Justin here in Saskatoon, and we will see you next time.